Hey everybody, welcome to the Trinity Podcast. My name is Chris McDaniel, the lead pastor here at the church, and we welcome you now to our third installment of this Lenten podcast series. Today, we are going to be looking at one of our readings from the Daily Lectionary. Uh, This podcast will be published on Wednesday, and so we're looking at Matthew 22. Uh, We'll read a story that's probably familiar to you if you spent a little bit of time in church, but fear not if you haven't, and this story is unfamiliar, I think we'll be able to follow uh, the flow of the story and hear what Jesus has to say. So I'm going to read and then we'll pray, and I'm just going to share a few things with you um, to help you carry some meditative and contemplative thinking throughout your day. Verse 1 of Matthew 22, Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who went who went and prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. And then he sent some more servants and said, tell those who've been invited that I've prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened calf have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and they went off one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. And then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Go into the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guest, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. And then the king told the attendants, take him hand and foot and throw him outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, I ask you to give us grace to to hear a really hard story, uh, to sit with this during the Lenten season and um, think about what this story means. What is Jesus trying to say to us, God? We pray that you would invite us in and speak to our hearts, Lord. Um, Help us to suspend um, hard feelings or biases or fear, God, and and to try to hear you, Jesus. That's our deep desire today is to hear you. Amen. Amen. As I just alluded to in my prayer, this this is a really uncomfortable story, at, le- at least at first, because we want to hear that everyone's invited to the party. It doesn't matter if you attend or not, that if you do attend, it doesn't matter what you wear. Um, and that's not what we pick up in this story. Our desire to hear happy endings and, and tidy, inclusive stories sometimes keep us from loving or even listening to stories like this one. At the end of the day, I believe that this story, as do all the teachings of Jesus, bring good news to some and bad news to others. There is an invitation for everyone in a story like this. And at the end of the day, I believe that what Jesus is saying here is that there are real choices to be made by you and me, and there are real consequences connected to our actions. And if we can just stop and step back for a minute, we know that that's true in every arena throughout life your life and mine, we matter and our choices carry consequences with them. And that's just essentially the story Jesus is telling. So we're going to walk through it and try to hear him. So the first thing we need to see, and this is oftentimes overlooked, is that the king wants 
people to come to the party, the wedding banquet. And he extends multiple invitations to his guests. He invites them again and again. He lets everyone know we have prepared and it's going to be awesome and we want you there. The king had every right in a story like this, uh, as would a king today, to expect people to respond to his invitation. There was a clear expectation here that you would move things around and make it a priority. If someone of the importance and magnitude of a king was reaching out to you and saying, I want to extend hospitality, I want to feed you, I want this to be amazing, that you would say yes to that. But saying yes meant reordering your life. Weddings in ancient Palestine, the, the time and place in which Jesus would have told this story, and in many respects, even today in the East, weddings weren't just like an hour, um, sitting uncomfortably in a church, and then you go and eat some you know dry chicken and then go home. A, a wedding like this would have lasted a week. So you, you would be expected to clear your calendar. So there's a clear implication here that Jesus is saying, I want to do something really good for everyone. You're invited into it, but to participate, you're going to have to reorient and reprioritize your life. Basically, in this story, the people listening to it would have understood to say yes means to say no to a bunch of other things. Um, we can't just fit it all in, y'all. To follow God means to reorient your life around him. It means to um, say no to other commitments or other priorities. It means that you essentially make this your priority. And I think that's one of the areas where we struggle. Many of us come to faith and we think, you know, I'm just going to add God into an already really full life. I, I'm going to say yes to him, but I'm I'm also going to continue to say yes to a million other things. And this story really clarifies the sense of God asking and requiring a sense of reorientation, a sense of reprioritization. And maybe that's some of what you're struggling with right now. Um, I know in my life, I struggle with that again and again and again, and I'm a pastor this idea that God's always calling for more of my heart than I am maybe at times prepared to give him is an unsettling thing. And yet it is the thing. It is what he asks. He asks for more of us. And, and that means we have to say yes to him, which means saying no to other things that would guide and distract us. So he invites everyone and he expects there to be a realignment. The invited guests in this story ignore the king's invitation, and some even turn violent. So it's one thing to be busy or distracted, but others are annoyed. They feel like the king is essentially placing something on them or laying claim to a part of their life or their control over their time or their priorities, and they turn violent. So what we see in this story is uh, a, a classic Jewish hyperbolic um, rabbinical teaching technique, which is to tell a story with extreme things in it to help us understand and look at our own hearts. People are not receptive. Um, they reject the king. Um, and to reject the king in the ancient world would have been tantamount to treason. It would have been essentially you saying, you're not my king, you're not important enough. This is where we live in a world that's just so disconnected from the world, the Bible, that we don't even understand things like this. And so the king sending his army was because in the ancient world to say no to a request like this was not just, oh, my calendar's full. It would have been, you're not, you're not, worth, you're not worth my attention. 
Um, and the Lord actually wants us to be the kinds of people who recognize that he, he is in fact worth our attention and a reorientation of our lives, that this stuff matters, that our choices matter, the way that we live our lives, the way that we orient ourselves, it really matters to the Lord. Um, and this gets at a fundamental question. Do you believe that God can make demands on your life or in the vocab of sports today, are you a free agent? I think many of us live like free agents. Um, one of the great gifts in, in my life of being in the Anglican tradition is that I am a man who is submitted to the authority of my bishop. Todd Hunter and um, T.J. Johnston, who's a retired bishop, these two men are my spiritual authority. And they care for me, and they challenge me, and they love me. And I submit to them. And if you know me, I, I have a strong personality. Um, I, I need to submit. And um, I'm so thankful that I worship and work in a tradition where I've been called to submit. And similarly, my submission to them reminds me that I'm submitted to God. It, it reminds me that if uh, we're arm wrestling, he wins. And I think that for you and me, it's important that we, during this Lenten season, really look at our attitude towards submission um, our attitude towards submission to God, to the scripture, uh, and even to some people in our lives who would have uh, temporal or spiritual authority in our lives. Now, of course, submission can be a tool for abuse and coercion, but we cannot and must not throw the baby out with the bathwater. To be Christian is to ultimately be submitted to God. And this story is a story where Jesus is speaking of lordship. Um, he's speaking of power. So let's not be distracted about the king sending um, an army to attack those violent men. And in the world of Jesus, um, treason would have been met with, with um, armed resistance and armed um, enforcement. Uh, actually, today it's the same. If, if you engage in treasonous behavior, there is a, a retaliation. Governments have that power. Jesus is essentially just saying how we respond matters. How we respond to God matters. Um, and that there is a sense in which judgment comes to us when we don't respond appropriately over the course of a lifetime to the Lord. But here's the thing. The story doesn't end with that. The story ends with a king saying, I still want to throw a party. And he goes and invites whosoever will. And the language we see in the story actually is, I think, powerful when it comes to the heart of God. He basically says to his servants, I invited all these people. They said, no. So now just go to the street corners and find anyone, find the lowly, the down and out, uh, bad people, good people. Um, just invite them. I want my food to be consumed. I want people who will say yes to me to come. And so we see a bunch of people say, yes, they do respond. People are unlike the first crowd, open and respect receptive. Um, and I think that's the invitation for all of us. Will we be open and receptive to the overtures of God? Will we orient our lives and say yes to him? And here's the story. Elites and religious people in this story tended to say no. And broken people, people like many of us, say yes. They say yes. They reorient. What does it look like for you to say yes to God, to his invitation? What does it look like to you and for you to reorient your priorities in order to say yes to him? I think Lent is a great time for us to practice our yes. Um, and sometimes that means saying no to something else.
So we say no maybe to overeating so we can say yes to feeling our hunger. We say no to um, self-indulgence and we say yes to devotion. There's a way to practice your yes, which always implies a no. But one guy isn't prepared. He's not wearing wedding garments. And this is where we get like, oh, come on, God. Are you just picking at people because they don't have nice clothes? Um, some people have used it as like a you should dress up when you go to church type of teaching. But most scholars agree that the reference here is to clean clothes, not necessarily fancy clothes. Um, in the in the world of ancient Palestine, to attend a wedding with dirty or smelly clothes was considered an insult to the host. And the host at this point is in no mood to be further insulted. So he asks him a question. He says, how'd you get in here with dirty clothes? And the man was speechless. The, the nature of the question indicates that the host wanted a response, but the fact that he didn't respond indicated that there was really no excuse and that there was no misunderstanding. So he says, you're out. Had he responded like the first guest to a gracious invitation with a political insult, which is what I think was happening here, all the host wanted was for him to take the invitation seriously. So I want you to hear this. God is not saying you have to be perfect, that I have to be perfect. What he's saying is we need to take his invitation seriously. And this is where it gets a little uncomfortable for us Western American free independent Christians because we want to think that we can just do any old thing any old way. But in this story, the wedding garments, they signify repentance. They signify life change. And we just said it when we had our Ash Wednesday service, but repentance means to think about your life and then to rethink or to move in a new or a renewed direction. God doesn't want you to pretend that you are perfect or to wait until you are perfect. What he wants each of us to do is to think about our lives. He wants us to be willing to admit when we're not clean and ask for his forgiveness and his help. This story is not about externals. It's not about clothes. It's about our hearts. It's about admitting our brokenness. It's about looking to him. It's about reorienting our lives. And I believe Lent is a great time, maybe the best time, to just take a step back and look at our lives and say, am I prepared to reorient and move toward God? And the first step in that is admitting our own brokenness and our own neediness. Father, I pray for my friends, and I, I just ask you for grace. I, I pray for your help. God, as we sit with a hard story like this, um, walking through this Lenten journey, I pray that you would give us the grace to be as honest and real as we possibly can. Father, help us. I speak blessing over my friends. God, I pray that you would help each and every one of us walk through this wilderness and move toward the beauty and the resurrection of Easter. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. See you soon.